Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. What do you think about when you think about the word father? Now I'm talking to everybody in the room right now. I'm, I'm talking to you that are watching via Facebook uh, some of the things that I think about are words like originator, protector, provider. How about leader? How about encourager? You think a father should be an encourager? How about a fighter? Do you think a father should be a fighter? I think that there are a lot of characteristics that we can attribute to a father. And if we had a pen and paper, I bet you each of you could write down some, and we'd all be right. There's a lot of great characteristics and attributes that we can come up as a, with a, uh, when we think about the word father. But one of the most important uh, responsibilities a father carries is that of influencing influencing his kids and influencing his family for God. And and as we're getting started, I just want to share a a fun video. I've got a fun video that I want us to watch. It's between a grandpa, his adult son, and then the adult son's child. And we're going to be reminded about the role that a father has when it comes to influencing his kids and beyond. Let's go ahead and watch the video just for a couple minutes. Hey, Dad. What was Grandpa like whenever you were my age? I don't know. He's like a dad. Did Grandpa make you listen to this terrible music? You mean, did he culture me? You bet he did. Grandpa get lost too? Sometimes, we're not lost. Recalculating route to your destination. You will arrive in approximately two days, three hours. What's your license insurance? Did uh, Grandpa have a lead foot too? Amen. Grandpa teach you to pray before every meal like that? Yeah, before every meal. Did Grandpa do that too? Yeah. 
You really are a lot like him, aren't you? I hope I'm like you whenever I grow up. What's with all the lollygagging? I'm not paying you guys to sit around and look at pictures. Chop, chop! My stuff's not gonna get to a condo on the golf course by itself. <laughs> Has Grandpa always been so... bossy? Always. Is he actually banging us? Not a chance. <laughs> you really are a lot like him, aren't you? Did you hear what the son said? I don't know if you caught it, but I did. He said, I hope I'm like you when I grow up. And I think it's important, men, dads, that you catch what he was saying to his dad. He's saying, Dad, you're an influence in my life. And I think that we need to remember that. Even if your kids are grown, whether we realize it or not, you have a shadow. You have a legacy. Your life goes beyond you, and it reaches and it influences other people around you. And men, dads, you influence your kids, you influence your family, and you influence your church. And as a Christian man, God wants you to intentionally influence and help to shape others around you. A real man, from a biblical perspective, finds out how God wants him to live, and then begins to live that way, and he helps his family, both his biological family and his church family, to live that way too. A real man. As a matter of fact, the title of our message today, Father's Day 2022, is Real Men. Uh, the, there's a subtitle, and it's simply this, Influencing Others for God. Will you say the subtitle with me? Come on, all of us. Influencing Others for God. Listen to this. Men are meant to influence the world for God by living for God in the world. Listen to it again. Men are meant to influence the world for God by living for God in the world. Isn't that true? That's what a biblical man is supposed to do. How many of you remember uh, the man named Noah in the Bible in the book of Genesis? Anybody ever? Does anybody remember what he built? He built the ark. Listen to this. Listen to this. When God singled out Noah to help keep human history afloat, he was asking him to be obedient in a world where everyone, everyone was evil all the time. Listen to the scripture. It's not going to be on the screen. Just listen. The Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every scheme his mind thought of was nothing but evil all the time. Sound familiar? 
Noah, however, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Listen, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God said to Noah, I've decided to put an end to all humanity, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives, for I have seen that you alone are righteous before me in this generation. Come on. Noah was a real man of God. Noah was following God. Noah made a difference. Listen, if we're not careful, we can forget that Noah was a real man. When Noah was faithfully building a boat longer than a football field, he had no idea his face would one day be on everything from weather vanes to wallpaper. Still, listen, he preached God's grace against impending doom for 120 years without a single person turning their ways. Wiping his neighbor's spit from his face for insinuating they were one of the ones who needed help. Noah was an ordinary man, but he was a real man. Think about this. Today, these days of darkness are also days of opportunity, men. But what makes them days of opportunity is the power of light. A good idea, a good person, a man of God to pierce and dispel the darkness. Our cultural crisis is at the same time a cultural opportunity. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. Amazingly, he also said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, Matthew 5, 14. Of course, our light is totally dependent on his. He is the true light that gives light to every man, John chapter 1, verse 9. As Christian men concerned about our culture, as we all should be, we must ask ourselves, how can I make the most of the opportunity that is before me to shine as Jesus would? How can I best treat the present crisis as an opportunity and focus my beam into the present darkness? This is what real men should be asking themselves. This is what God has asked us to do in the world. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. I think you'll remember this. He said, imitate me because I imitate Christ. That was in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Jesus said this. Listen, whatever the Father does, I do in like manner. That was in John 5.19. Then finally, to be super, super clear, the Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Imitators of God. We're supposed to learn to imitate God. Now, men, I want to talk to you specifically. Before you think, I can't live the way God wants me to live. I couldn't possibly be an imitator of God. Listen, those are all natural feelings and we have them. But let me just remind you of something from the Bible. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, 
those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. Why? Because God's life is in them. Listen to it again. Those that have been born of God and into the family of God don't practice sinning. In other words, they don't have a sinful lifestyle. They're not just living like the rest of the other men are living in the world who don't have a relationship with God. Why? Listen. Because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. The New King James says, because they've been born of God. And when you look that up in the Greek, it's the Greek word sperma. S-P-E-R-M-A. You know biology? What is that saying? That's saying the very DNA, the divine essence of your heavenly Father has been deposited into you as a born-again, blood-bought, purchased possession, son of the Most High God. Now, your new supernatural nature is and has a propensity to live for God and not live like the rest of the world lives who don't know God. Can somebody say amen? So men, we can do this. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we never fail. It doesn't mean we don't sin on occasion. But it does mean that I have the life of God in me. And because I do, I can live for God in a world that doesn't. What are some characteristics of a real man from God's perspective? From God's perspective. Now, we can't cover all of them, but I just want to uncover three of them. Look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, some of you know this, but just be reminded, 2 Timothy is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And he's writing it from a prison cell, knowing that his time is short. Knowing that his death is imminent. Knowing that he would be executed because he was a witness and a powerhouse for God. So he's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and because he knows his death is imminent, he's writing some of the most important, heartfelt, weighty things that this spiritual father could pass on to his son because he's concerned about the church, he's concerned about men, he's concerned about families after he's gone. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he says, You therefore, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, let that sink in, men. Let that sink in if you're watching by Facebook or you're watching this later. Men, fathers, your strength isn't in yourself. Your strength isn't in your willpower. Your strength isn't in your bank account. Your strength isn't in your natural wisdom. Your strength isn't in your capacity. Your strength must be rooted in the grace of Jesus Christ. Grace is the enabling power and favor of God to live as the man of God that God's called you to live as. It comes from him. Then he says this, And the things that you have heard from me among many people, commit these to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Catch that. Commit the things that I've taught you 
to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So one of the first characteristics, one of the first marks of a real man of God. You ready? Real men teach others to live for God. Come on, say it with me, church. Real men teach others to live for God. He says, the things that you heard me teaching, the things that you heard me communicating to other people, I want you to commit these things to faithful men who will be able to pass them on, who will be able to teach other men, who will be able to influence other people in the things that you've been influenced with. That was at the heart of the Father. Remember, the Holy Spirit moved on the Apostle Paul to write everything he wrote. So that means if it was on the Apostle Paul's heart, it was on the Father's heart. Isn't that true? It's so important that we make that connection. I think this is important because if we would think a little bit about what our culture, our world, our society would say about what it means to be a real man, these are probably some of the things that they would say. I just came up with a few. You could probably think of a few. But I think these are things that people would say a real man is made up of, especially if we watch enough Super Bowl commercials. Our culture would say something like, real men drink Budweiser or whatever kind of beer that they drink, right? That's something that we would see on TV today. It's popular. Real men eat big steaks, right? That's okay. I'm all for big steaks. Amen. Medium well. No, maybe medium rare for me. Uh, Some other people might say, real men drive fast cars, right? Some people might say, real men make a lot of money. Or real men know how to get the ladies. These are some of the things that our culture would say make up a real man. But I want to remind us, we're talking about what it means to be a real man from a biblical perspective, from God's, come on, do I get any, any men of God in the house today? Any men of God in the house today? I'm not saying we're perfect, but we're men of God, right? So we want to look at, well, what does God say? What does God say about what he sees and what he considers to be a real man? I, w- I want you to notice this, that God is concerned not only about you living for him as a man of God, but Paul's comments here put four generations of godly manhood and influence into view. Look at them. From Paul to Timothy to teachers and then to others. It's not just you that he's concerned about. He's concerned about others around you. He's concerned about your kids. He's concerned about your grandkids. He's concerned about your family. He's concerned about your church. He's concerned about you learning to live as a man of God that's teaching other people to live for God. Passing on faith in Christ and influencing others for God is not a single step, but a multi-generational process. And God wants us men, God wants you fathers to be part of that process. If you have a family and kids, it starts at home. If you're single, it might start with your church family. It might start in your neighborhood. It could start with your co-workers. If you're young, 
If you're a teenager, if you're a middle schooler, if you're a high schooler, it's not too soon to get, get hold of the, I wish somebody would have taught me about these things when I was in middle school. I wish somebody would have taught me about these biblical principles of being a man when I was in high school. I could have avoided so much harm, so much self-harm, so much destruction, so much deception from the enemy. So you're not too young, middle schoolers and high schoolers. You're not too young to understand that if you're going to follow God, one of the very first marks of a man of God, a real man of God, is you're learning to teach others to live for God. How many of you have heard of Theodore Roosevelt? Come on, anybody? Theodore Roosevelt was the 26th president of the United States of America. And when he attended Harvard University, he taught Sunday school for a time at Christ Church until he was abruptly dismissed. A boy showed up one Sunday to his Sunday school class with a black eye. And the boy admitted he had been fighting. And on Sunday, too, the boy told the future president that a bigger boy had been pinching his little sister. And so he fought him. And Theodore Roosevelt told him that he had done perfectly right, and he gave him a dollar. And the head leader of the Sunday school ministry thought this was a bit much, and so he dismissed their exuberant Sunday school teacher, Theodore Roosevelt. What's that about? Well, I think it's about the fact that every little boy has a fighter in him, and God put it there to be used in the right way, to be aimed in the right direction to be used at the appropriate time. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Look at it with me. Paul's writing still. He says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Come on, somebody say soldier. See, there's no doubt that our culture has high marks for a man that can handle himself with his fists or that can grapple another man down to the ground. But what does God say about fighting? See, this is another characteristic of a real man. Mark this down in your hearts. Real men fight spiritually for their families. Come on, say it with me. Real men fight spiritually for their families. In writing this, Paul didn't have physical violence in mind, but rather the attitude of a well-trained soldier and one who knew how to fight spiritually. Men, you got to know, husbands, dads, you got to know that your family and our churches are in a war. Think about some of the headlines and some of the cultural battles that are taking place right now. I'm not being condemning. I'm just being truthful. There's a huge push to, to an unhealthy place for inclusion and gender identity. That's an attack against the family the way God intended it to be. That's an attack against the church. There's watered-down Bible teachings in our society. I had posted something on Facebook a couple weeks ago, uh, and it wasn't even words from me, but words that I appreciated from another pastor. And somebody had written into the pastor, and he said, Pastor, is it okay for a Christian man and a Christian woman to live together 
before getting married. I think that's an appropriate subject to handle in church. I don't think it's off limits. I don't think we need to be condemning. I think we need to be loving, and we need to be truthful, right? We need to do that. And so I posted that, and I thought his words were encouraging and inspiring, and he kind of put it in a nutshell from what God says. And then there was a man in the community who saw my post who obviously might have had a different perspective. And I asked, do you think that this is applicable for today? Do you think men and women who are Christians should be married before living together? And he responded, that's a dumb question. I think we have freedom. And we should be able to live together if we want to. By the way, I'm a Christian. His words, not mine. And so I just thought, that was interesting. I'm not going to get in a war over that with him. But I just thought it's interesting that there are some Christian circles that are very liberal and that believe outside of the text of the Scriptures. And if we're not careful, we'll fall as uh, victims to the deception in the world. That's an attack on the family. Not only that, but if we're just being honest, there's rampant divorces in our culture. Christian divorces in our culture. There's widespread chaos and killing in schools, in malls, in churches, in neighborhoods. That's an attack on the family. There's widespread chaos happening in our world. And if we don't understand our place as men who know how to fight spiritually for our families, our families can fall prey if we're not careful. The word warfare in this scripture, according to Vine's Bible Dictionary, is defined this way. To make a military expedition, to lead soldiers to war or to battle, to be a soldier or to fight. As men... God wants for us to learn when to fight, how to fight, and what to fight for when it comes to our families and our churches. Amen? 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. I'll just read it quickly. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Listen, for the weapons of our warfare, they're not natural, they're not human, they're not fleshly, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. Paul was being attacked, and you're going to be attacked as a father as a man, your families, our churches will be attacked. And we have to understand that we have been given by God mighty weapons, spiritual weapons to do battle in the spiritual realm. We got to understand that our secular culture is pressing and trying to infringe upon how you should live and how you should raise your kids and lead your family and influence our churches. There is a war. It might not be with guns every day. It might not be visible and physical like that every day, but there's a war. Let me share with you uh, this article that I came across. It's written by an organization called Steadfast Clash. It's a conservative news outlet. And their mission is to give their honest opinion about what's happening in our nation and sometimes around the world while maintaining as much relevant information as possible. Steadfast clash. And on May 15th, 2021, 
This was the article. Outraged parents in Bellingham, Washington, are standing up to the school district president. When their first graders were read a book about transgenderism by their teacher, Jennifer Miller, the school board dismissed their concerns. Jennifer Miller, a first grade teacher in Bellingham School District, subjected her six and seven-year-old students to the book, I Am Jazz, a book that details a two-year-old biological male beginning his transition to a female with the support of his parents. Did you read this book to first graders today? One outraged parent asked in an email to the teacher showing a screenshot of the book, I Am Jazz. Yes, I did read this book, Miller replied. As a district, we're working hard to support all members of our school community and promote inclusion through understanding and compassion. And the parents have further learned that this and other books for children are in the school's library. And the parents do not want transgender education in the classroom. And as the facts continue to unfold, this story has sparked even more criticism and controversy in this Washington school district and many other school districts across the country. Wow. Men, fathers, we're at war. That's an attack on the family. Hear my heart as a pastor. I'm not condemning people. I love people. But I agree with these parents. They shouldn't be teaching first and second graders about transgenderism and, and brainwashing them without their parents being involved or with their parents being involved. They're just too young to be introduced to that kind of stuff. That's happening today more and more across our country. There's a war. There's a war against families, and there's a war against churches. What weapons had God given us as men? What weapons do we have to fight? His word is a weapon. Can somebody say amen? The scriptures are a weapon. Read your Bible. Prayer is a weapon. Pray for your family. The church is God's army. It's the very expression of Christ in the earth. Get involved, men. Find your place. So many of you have. But this is a way that we can support the kingdom of God by doing our part and moving things forward with Christ. This is real. This is happening. And some of the roles and responsibilities that you have as dads and men have to do with learning how to fight spiritually. Let's continue. What's our final characteristic of a real man from God's perspective? 2 Timothy 2.5. We're still in 2 Timothy. He says this, And also if anyone competes in athletics... He's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Here's the third point I want to make. Real men train spiritually so they can obtain the prize. So they can obtain the prize. What's Paul talking about here? The verse transitions from an imagery of a soldier to that of an athlete. Athletes, both as amateurs and professionals existed even prior to the New Testament times. Athletics was especially popular in ancient Grecian Olympics. Winners were presented with an olive wreath from a sacred tree near the temple of Zeus in Olympia. An athlete who broke the rules of competition could not and would not be crowned. 
In ancient times, just as training and competition was taking place, they had to swear before a statue of Zeus that they adhered to all the rules of training for 10 months prior to the event. And similarly, think about it, today's elite athletes, they devote their entire life to training and competition. Yet athletes can be disqualified by breaking one major rule and even have prior medals, ribbons, awards, or trophies taken away. How does this apply? Listen, the Christian man is to likewise train to follow God's truth in daily life to successfully be awarded in heaven. This isn't a matter of salvation. You're saved if you have Christ, but this is a matter of heavenly rewards. Think about what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 in the Bible. Listen to this. He said, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Now, he's not pitting Christian men against pitting, he's not pitting Christian men against other men. You're not competing against other men. He's trying to emphasize the fact, run the race in such a way that you're the only one who's going to get the prize. Run your race hard. Run your race fast. He says, run away in such you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is self-controlled or temperate in all things. Now they do it, referring to natural athletes. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, one that's going to fade, one that's going to deteriorate, one that's not going to last forever. But he says this, but we Christian men, we men of God, we do it for an imperishable crown. There's a crown that's laid up for you in heaven. A crown that's got your name on it. A crown that will last for all eternity. A crown that you'll be awarded with when you hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So he says this, therefore I run like this, not with uncertainty. I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Men, we're in a race. It's called the race of faith. And you're a spiritual athlete. So you should learn how to spiritually train yourself in such a way that when you cross the finish line, you step into your final place in heaven, you receive the crown. You receive the prize. God has something set aside for you. So dads, men, what are we reminded of today? What are some of the characteristics that God wants to see in our lives as real men? Remember, these aren't all of them, but these are some good ones. Number one, real men teach others to live for God. Number two, real men fight spiritually for their families. And number three, real men train spiritually so that they can receive the prize. You know what would be a good starting point? Take this coin this week, men. Women, you're not excluded. You can do this if you want to. But take this coin and get along with God. 
and put this scripture in your heart. Memorize it. So that you'll always be reminded that part of being a real man of God is teaching others to live for God. That doesn't mean you have to know the Bible inside and out. It just means that you're willing to allow the Spirit of Christ to live through you and to influence, to encourage, to strengthen, to shape other men around you. Your kids, they need to see a godly man leading and taking the spiritual leadership of his home, if that's applicable. Men, if you're single or if you don't have any kids in the home anymore, or you don't have any biological children. You're not off the hook. God still wants you to be a spiritual father, a spiritual influencer, somebody who's teaching other people to pursue Christ and to give God their all. Listen, as men of God, he's asking us to man up. Our world needs real men of God to be a light in a dark place. Isn't that true? Amen. Have you been blessed by the word today? Let's stand to our feet and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God today. We thank you for the truth of the scriptures today. Father, I thank you for every father under the sound of my voice, whether it's in person or by video. I pray for them. I speak grace and strength and blessing through Jesus Christ over them. Father, I pray that you would empower them to live as the man of God that you've called them to be. I pray that you would empower them to influence their children, to influence their wives, to influence their co-workers. Father, I pray that the light of the Lord Jesus Christ would shine powerfully on them and powerfully through them. Lord God, as they do that, God, I thank you that you're gonna enable them to, to find other faithful men around them who will be able to teach others also so that as biological families and as a church family, we're all growing and knowing Jesus Christ together, becoming everything that you've called us to be. We thank you for doing this, Father. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.